You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 59. Hey there, Impact Drivers. Welcome to the PMO Impact Summit. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking about Agile Portfolio Management. This episode is sponsored by Keyed In. Place the right bets, turn quickly, and deliver faster with this innovative approach to top-down portfolio and capacity planning. Looking at adopting a more agile method due to the ongoing crisis? Concepts like iterative development, continuous improvement, and prioritizing a dynamic backlog, when applied to portfolio management, can deliver a host of compelling benefits that Keyed In brings to life. Learn more at PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Keyed In. That's PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash Keyed In. I am so excited to talk about this topic because as Tim and I have discussed, this means a lot of things to a lot of people. So Tim, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Laura. It's always great to join you. Excited to be here. Yes. Yeah. So excited. So great to have you back. So everyone, let me tell you a little bit about Tim before we dive in. As Senior Vice President of Global Operations, Tim Short is responsible for ensuring Keaton customers not only successfully implement Keaton's software, but also that they achieve their long-term business objectives and form a lasting partnership with the Keaton team, which I think is huge personally and a big reason that I've been a big fan of Keaton for a long time. Now, in executing those responsibilities, Tim leads teams of experienced professionals, services consultants, support technicians, training and education practitioners, and customer success managers. Wow, you've got a lot on your plate, Tim. <laughs> so I'm glad you made it. I even oversee sales, which is crazy because it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> we're having fun nonetheless. Exactly. So that everyone knows, Tim's got 20 plus years of experience in project and portfolio management that he's brought to Keyed In. And having led global cross-functional project management offices, PMOs, at businesses such as Twin Lab and CHG Healthcare. Tim has a keen sense of the struggles IT and portfolio management leaders face in fulfilling their demanding roles. So Tim and I have talked about, we have tons in common from the kind of tea we drink on the road to our exercise and caffeine habits in general, <laughs> as well as right. PMOs, right? PMOs is a big passion for both of us. And we both try and serve our communities and our clients, customers and audience in general to help them meet their business objectives. And that's very meaningful and important to us, both having a long history in the PMO space. So with all that said, that's why Tim's here. And Tim, thank you again for being here. Again, glad to be here. You say all of that and it makes me feel overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to do in our space, but I definitely enjoy the PMO most. I actually was on with a friend just recently talking about his business. And he said, you're really enamored by the way that this stuff gets done. And he was talking specifically about Twin Lab. And I was the head of the global PMO at Twin Lab. Mm -hmm. And why I really like it is it, it allows you to touch an awful lot of the business, a lot right. of the things that are going on in the business and right. create an impact of that touch inside of the business. So I'm sort of a PMO geek. 
Yes. <laughs> I have my badge of honor as well. <laughs> it all behind you, which is wonderful. Congratulations. Exactly. These are all of my volunteer nonprofit PMI things and stuff like and project management things and in, in all the spaces. So yeah, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate that you bring that perspective of actually having been a practitioner. As I think you might know, I built my first PMO in nineteen ninety-nine. Without I access, they were even a thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because I have witnesses. One of my executive perspective track speakers is somebody who's CTO, CIO, senior technology guy who has been a longtime friend and, in fact, had an office on the same row with me in that first organization where we built that first PMO. So I have witnesses. <laughs> okay, he has to validate that for the rest of us at this summit. Oh, he will. Thing in 1999. It was. Well, and here's the thing. We didn't call it a PMO. This is now 1999. This was in the middle of the dot-com insanity, right? Mm -hmm. And I was working for an organization that was doing e-commerce projects and taking all these brick and mortar businesses and giving them an online and e-commerce presence. Uh -huh. And I started there as a project manager, running a few projects that were helping to create these e-commerce sites and businesses for a lot of these brick and mortar stores. And the way the environment worked back then is you were basically behind the minute you started because you would sign the contract. So not much has changed, right? You signed the contract and didn't know back then what it would take. So you'd have all these businesses saying, great, can we be online tomorrow? Right? Not understanding all of the work effort to create the website and to get all of their products there and all of the images for the products and all these things that are easier to do now, but yeah. still more than a day of effort, right? We were still creating the internet back then. Exactly. Exist. Exactly. Which I have. So see. It just was sound and it would a page load like this. <laughs> So, so that's another funny story because I was at, as you can see here, I went to Virginia Tech and I was in their computer science program. I also worked for the school full time to put myself through school. And there, Virginia Tech was the first digital campus. And I was a part of the program that required students to do their thesis or dissertation electronically so that they could graduate. Virginia Tech was the first school. It was called the ETD program, the Electronic Thesis and Dissertation Program. So these students who started their grad degree and their grad program, knowing they would do their thesis and dissertation on typewriters, now couldn't graduate until they turned it into an electronic deliverable that we were going to post on this thing called the World Wide Web that nobody knew anything about. So, <laughs> so you actually had to distribute something from a computer and a computer science program. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's <laughs> crazy. Imagine. So anyway, so I remember back in those days, and I remember I built one of the first websites that was ever out there. I have this whole story about how Yahoo actually stole an image. When Yahoo first started, they stole an image from our website and used it. <laughs> so anyway, the bottom line is, is that my PMO career evolved being a part of really big change and loving it, right? But also understanding those challenges. And when I built that first PMO in 1999, it was very much with the business in mind because the business leaders in that organization said, we've got this whole portfolio of projects that need to happen and we need to put things in place so that this becomes like an engine, right? And it was the how-to, it was keeping the focus on the business outcomes. It was some templates and process and structure and infrastructure, what I call kind of the mechanism of making the projects get delivered. It wasn't even about on time on budget. It was like as fast as we humanly possibly can because that's what our customers needed, right? And that was the only way to stay 
leading or bleeding edge back then. So anyway, been doing it for a long time. And I just feel like the industry has evolved. As we're more familiar with PMOs now, there are some interesting changes happening, I think, for the better. And one of them is around this whole concept of agile and agile portfolio management. So that's what we're talking about today. Sure. It's interesting that you mentioned some of your history because in 1999, I started my career in what I would now call a PMO, but I didn't know it. And so I was in the construction world and often would ask me, what do you do? Because I didn't swing a hammer. I didn't install anything. I swept floors from time to time because nobody else would do it. But I would tell them I'm a glorified pencil pusher. Oh, interesting. Because I would be the one that was coordinating the efforts of all of the tradesmen at all of the different projects. And so we would have multiple homes and multiple commercial projects going on all of the time. And I was making sure that everybody was in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing as a successor and predecessor to the things that have gone before to come afterward. And I was a project manager, but I didn't consider it a project management office. I didn't consider myself a project manager. I considered myself a glorified pencil pusher, putting schedules together, making sure that everything aligned and that people were getting stuff done within a time period that made sense. So I planned, I executed, I did all of the things that as this became more formal after our periods of time when we were doing this stuff, that's what I did. That's where I got my start. And so from way back in 1999, when we had these starts to today, I've had an opportunity to really see things evolve. Yes. And one of the things that we've seen evolve is the concept of agile work management Mm -hmm. and agile on the main. And Mm -hmm. when we started, it was this methodology of you had a successor, Mm -hmm. you had the thing that you were doing that's before that, and you had a predecessor. So things followed a very methodical path. And in construction, obviously, you still have to have that, right? Right. Install the drywall if you don't have all of the subcontracted work, the plumbing and electrical and everything inside of the walls, insulation in the right places. So it very much still follows that. But as we've seen technology and business on the main really head in different directions with how things get done, we found that there's a greater opportunity to be more agile with that. Like if you right. just strip agile out of the dictionary, it's just the ability to be flexible. Right. A body of something done with, with flexibility became this agile methodology. And so we were talking a little bit earlier, Laura and I, and I asked her, what does it mean to you? What does agile portfolio management mean to you? And you had kind of an interesting response. Do you mind sharing it again with everybody? Sure. So what I said was, well, it depends. Are we talking about big A agile or little a agile? And in my opinion, I think both are super important to portfolio management and project delivery in general. Right. And so for me, when I say little a agile, I mean agility. Right. And what we're talking about, there's so much going on and so much conversation now about organizational agility but I can tell you that if you were in the middle of the dot-com insanity trying to do e-commerce projects and bleeding edge technology, you were doing a lot of organizational agility to respond to the things that were happening in the moment and make decisions and make shifts to meet the business needs and pivot when things weren't working. And there was also a lot of agile, right? Big A agile, meaning it was all about iterations. I think the e-commerce 
and dot-com boom was a big opportunity to really recognize how we could iterate and how we could be a lot more big A agile when it comes to how we got work done. So you and I were in very different industries. In the construction space, there are a lot of opportunities where it really needs to be waterfall, right? Like I know a great deal about construction and remodeling and all that kind of stuff from all the real estate and things that I've been doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry for that. Now you know I am no longer in that industry. (laughs) 12 years of that. And I was, please get me on to the next thing. Exactly. Exactly. So in that space, generally, you would say, well, we have to be a little a agile to be flexible and respond to our customers' needs as they shift. But iterations can be dangerous. You still have to do things in a certain order. And I think that's kind of the key here, Tim, is that I feel like we get so caught up in, is it one or the other, right? So little a agility and organizational agility and our ability to be nimble and flexible like you were talking about i think everyone needs to be a master at that no matter what role you're in in your organization for your own personal professional development as well as the organization's ability to thrive not just survive right but big a agile people i think get caught up in well it's either waterfall or it's agile yeah and we hear that a lot One of the things that I heard early on as Agile was starting to take more hold was the true PMPs, Totten Waterfall Methodology. You have to go through each of the five phases of initiation, planning, execution, monitoring, controlling, closing. And Agile, those those people would go, well, Agile is an excuse not to plan. (laughs) And I think you do a really nice job of defining the difference. I think big A is, no, you're still planning. Yeah. You still have outcomes and you still have an element of predecessor and successor relationships. Of course. It's just that there's some little A going on underneath that that says this story, this thing that needs to be done can be done with a little bit more freedom right. than a fixed story like in the construction industry where there's not a lot of freedom. As soon as you cover that thing up with drywall, you've just made it pretty stinking hard. <laughs> so you have to accept the work of the predecessor before you put that on. Because if you don't, I got to tear drywall off to do it. I need you to pay for that because you saw that there was no plumbing in the wall. And yeah. that's a problem. And so when we look at the concept of agile portfolio management, it's all of those little A's inside of the projects that are feeding a project that's agile big A. And we believe, and I believe that big A feeds up to portfolios that are all big A, they're planned, but portfolios have to have an agile element to them as well. Right. One of the greatest examples that I've been able to provide is this COVID. Yes. If you're not able to be agile when something outside influences the things that that you're doing, you've just failed your entire portfolio. If it's so fixed and you're unable to, first of all, view it, to see it and to say, What is all of the work that's going on within our portfolio of work? Right. And when something within that has an influence or a change, what do we do about it? And so agile portfolio management is the ability to say, I can substitute this body of work for this body of work, and I can still move forward with a portfolio body on the whole. And COVID is a great example of that. We all had our ways of working. We all had the things that we were doing organizations had all of the projects that made up these portfolios going forward. And when COVID hit and our governments and our leaders said, 
whoop, we got to change immediately. Those portfolios changed. Right. Some things were put on hold. Some things were accelerated. Some things were inserted into those portfolios because they had to be. Right. I look at CHG Healthcare, a great company with whom I had an opportunity to work, and I watched them pivot thousands of people. I think it's around 3,000 people from working in offices within three or four days, all working from home. Right. Now, what was really interesting is these offices were desktop. These were people that didn't all have laptops. But do you think that there was some agile portfolio management going on at CHG? Yeah. You bet. Everything that they were doing was either accelerated or put on hold or introduced. And they still had the same amount of resources to do that. They had the same amount of money, they had the same amount of people, but they were able to pivot so that the business could continue and that the capacity of the business was taken advantage of at every level. So when, when I talk about agile portfolio management, it's just that. Not being so fixed in the portfolios, like we're not so fixed at the project level, work gets done in many methodologies now. Right. And at the agile methodology, as you and I have experienced at the work level, has become the way of doing work. Right. But if that's feeding from the bottom up, there has to be a way to match that from the top down. So mm -hmm. I often talk about that, how the portfolio, the body of work, the umbrella of things that the company needs done still has to meet the bottom up. And if you're not somewhat agile at that level, you're going to fail at finding the commonality of top down meets bottom up. And so to me, that's been my experience in seeing how not only has agile influenced it, like you said, with little a, lots of stuff that's going on, lots of little movements that are happening, but big a planning those movements so that they meet it at a project level, which people have gotten pretty good at. But what I'm saying is now you've got to be able to meet that agilely from the, the top. You've got to be able to see, monitor, control, distribute, redistribute, and make decisions consistently in a more agile fashion than we previously have in portfolios of project work. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm really glad you brought up what's been happening in 2020 with the COVID pandemic and the response that PMOs and business leaders have been having to put in place, the changes that they've had to make. Because... Here, you know, a lot of, when all of this started happening, there were basically two major camps of PMO leaders out there. They were the ones that were panicking and they're the ones that saw this as an opportunity. And I was doing a bunch of live stream Q and A's on a regular basis. And I was getting hundreds and hundreds of questions. When all this started, the questions ranged from, okay, what do I do differently now? And how do I keep doing what I've always been doing despite these changes, right? And you know the answer, right? You know that it was all about pivoting. And I'm glad you said the word pivot because that's a word that I used time and time again. This is about a PMO pivot and an opportunity. And a lot of PMO leaders hadn't realized what a glorious opportunity this was for them to step up and have a seat at the table because the PMO leaders had the keys to right. all the decisions that had to be made whether through the technology they had, like Keydin software, or they had the information about what was going on with the projects, right? Because portfolio management, which is what we're talking about here, agile or not, this year, there is no greater service that PMO leaders could have provided than that portfolio perspective to help business leaders pivot and make important decisions with very little information and on very short notice for the very survival of their companies 
And then on top of that, how do we not just survive, but how do we thrive? And so you saw businesses that took real advantage of these opportunities and they're doing really cool things. And you saw, for example, my impact engine PMO training and coaching program that I have, that's kind of our signature program of all bringing people through the PMO process. It itself is an agile iterative approach to PMO delivery, right? But my students were having a stellar year this year because they were doing things like being tapped on the shoulder to put up a COVID testing center in three days that would have normally right. taken three months, right? They were the ones that were having to shift how to, you know, to go to completely online learning from, in, you know, from in-person learning. They were in industries that were really feeling government, different government organizations that had to pivot and shift quickly. And they had the tools to do so, right? They had both big A agile and little a agile kind of perspective and approach. But what they all had that was super critical was that bigger picture perspective right. of the portfolio of initiatives that are going on and where, and they had answers to the questions. What if we pull this out? What if we add this in? What if we have to move resources around? What if we have to let go of our temporary resources? Right. All the what ifs that business leaders were asking, the PMO leaders that are thriving this year are the ones that knew how to answer those questions. And portfolio management is the secret, right? Portfolio management is how you get your seat at the table in your organization. It's how you're seen as a business leader, not a project manager or project leader, right? You're spot on. And when I've had a chance to see that just in the last six months as we've dealt with this, I have opportunity to work with some of the larger healthcare providers in the US and in the UK, yeah. not the least of which is the National Healthcare Service in the UK, which is the medical provider. And I was on these conversations with folks where PMO managers, for example, were saying, well, every afternoon right now, I go down and ensure that people are wearing masks, have gloves, or that putting hand sanitizer on their hands at the doors. Yeah. So everybody that had a normal day job there was doing something to assist with the pandemic. Yeah. So if everybody within these organizations, these are tens of thousands of people organizations and some 60, 100, 200,000 people organizations, if everybody that has the day job at delivering something else are all pivoted to that work, what's the effect on the portfolio? Right. And that's what agile portfolio management is. Yeah. It's the ability to be able to go, let me tell you, give me a day. I'm going to run these scenarios. I'm going to run these models and I'm going to show you the effect. Our capacity has completely been shifted over to doing different things. So right. there's going to be a drag out effect of all of the things that we had within the portfolio of projects that are going to be delayed. We also are going to have other things that are going to need to come in. Like you said, things like testing centers had to be set up. Well, are they managed like a project utilizing the resources that are the same resources that were delivering a project previously within the portfolio? The answer was yes. Mm -hmm. We saw it at the NHS. We saw it at these large organizations in the U.S. where definitely, yes, the PMO manager was squirting hand sanitizer yep. on the pan yep. three hours a day in the afternoon, yeah. making sure they could come into their facility. So, yeah. uh, you know what? It's funny you say that because one of my students in this program, Andrea Sorelli, and we've had her on the podcast and she's talking in the summit about all the things that they had to do. She said, listen, I just stood there behind my project manager, told my project manager I had their back as they were kind of supporting this. And she said, part of the day I handed out water bottles. Yeah. You know, she said, that's what I did. Of course, there was a lot more that happened, right? To make yeah. all this happen. 
But PMO leader doesn't have to be the hero in front of everything. They can be the ones behind the scenes that are making everything happen and making everyone else the hero of this story, which can be incredibly helpful. So I'm glad you brought that up. Hand sanitizer and water bottles. You didn't know that was in the description of being a PMO right. leader. Not all superheroes wear capes. Exactly. around <laughs> with hand sanitizer. <laughs> Um, awesome. Yeah, it's absolutely pivotal. So much so that I've had a chance to work with Gartner and thought leadership. And I don't know if you've heard, but I'm certain that it will come up on some of these sessions that you're having. But Gartner is pivoting away from its traditional PPM model. Mm. They did not release this year the magic quadrant because, first of all, COVID hit and it was harder to do. But because primarily they're shifting mm. from work management, mm -hmm. they don't believe that work management is portfolio and project management, mm. the work management, project management, and portfolio management. And I believe that you have to have the ability to manage all of those to equal a total capacity. And if you don't have the portfolio management matching how the work management is being done, right. you're going to fail at the meeting point. And so hopefully we've covered that off, not kicked it to death, but uh, <laughs> have we convinced all really of you with that? <laughs> So, so with that said, let's assume we've convinced all of our impact drivers listening that this is definitely a shift in a way, an area of focus, portfolio management, but then also the ability to have agile portfolio management. So let's say we've convinced them all. I have this concept I call the yeah, but monster, right? Yeah. So the monster that comes crawling up on your shoulder and says, yeah, but that's not going to work here for whatever reason. So what are some of the challenges to adopting this approach? And then what can we do about those challenges? That's a really great question. First of all, I think there are less challenges in adopting this because I think it creates the full picture. But the single largest challenge that I've experienced is, well, it's twofold. First of all, it's change. And anytime you're introducing change to a methodology that people see as a fixed methodology that's worked for me in the past, so why won't it work for me going forward? That's challenging. And then implementing change across organizations is always a challenging thing. Hey, that way that we've done things and that we've viewed things to where we only met once a quarter to review our portfolios, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to meet bi-monthly to make sure that the portfolios are still aligned with the overall goals of the business and over aligned with the economies of the business, as well as the impact on the business. Right. It's not always something like COVID that comes in and says, this thing's going to impact you. You better do something about it. Right. There's also other things that impact a business in a portfolio. And so change is, is a very difficult thing. And then the number one thing that I see, and as an executive now in my career, I totally understand this, is getting the executive to accept that that thing that they have been so absolutely fixated on may have to go on pause. <laughs> it may have to even die. Yes. <laughs> is the challenge that we see yeah. when people are looking at the complete picture. We're looking at everything now from all of the influence of the projects equating to that portfolio. We're looking at it and that thing may not be as rad as you think it is. Right. And so it's really hard for somebody in the PMO or a project manager to have to somehow influence that mindset mm -hmm. and allow that thing to die. Right. So I would say that those are the two biggest challenges, not the least of which is the impact that change has on people.
Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's Tim, one of the things that you'll find in every single training course I teach, every single keynote or workshop or presentation that I give is a thread of organizational change management running through it because I feel like it's all ideas and people spinning in circles until you're able to affect change. And the key is bringing people with you through that change process. And that can be an art, right? That's not just a science. That is an art to doing so. And it can be a real barrier if you haven't figured out how to bring people with you through this change process, including, like you said, the executives. Because sometimes, I heard this from some of my PMO leaders, the executives were the ones running around in circles, not sure what to do and in panic mode when all this started, right? What do we do? Yeah. What do we do? What do we do? So what a great opportunity for PMO leaders to step up and say, I got you. I got your back. Let's sit down and talk it through. Let's look at the information in front of us. Let me tell you the state of the union, right? Let me tell you where we are now. And then we can talk about what the options are and run through some what if scenarios. But the key is having the keys, right? You've got to have that data in order to drive those decisions. And that's why you, in my opinion, you've just got to start there. And if you're not, if you don't have that information, you're missing an incredible opportunity. And I think like you're talking about with kind of the bottom up and the top down, I think it's going to be the most important thing from this point forward that PMO leaders can do, especially if they want to help be what I call the strategy navigator of the organization. If they want to help lead the organization through a pandemic or any market shift or any merger and acquisition or any other change that affects the lives of the people in the organization. And of course, as a result, the customers, right? You've got to be able to help drive that decision-making process. And it doesn't have to be incredibly challenged. I think that's part of the problem we see, Tim, is that People will say, oh, okay, so if I'm going to do this, now I need 364 different data points that I'm trying to pull together, and they make it an overwhelming process, and it doesn't have to be so. I agree, and it's not as simple as just do the work and something will appear. Right. Which is, I think, why Gartner has said, we're going to separate work management, we're going to separate project management, we're going to separate portfolio management. Right. They all play part and parcel. But there are tools out there that are work management tools. Slack is a work management tool. But if you just are slacking all the time and there isn't anything that's saying all of that's coming together to equal a project and all of the projects are equaling a portfolio. And one of the things that's getting really interesting is that portfolios are now starting to equal products. Yes. So it's not just portfolio management or agile portfolio management. It's agile product management. Right. The portfolio is usually a product that is the outcome of many projects, lots of things that are going on to equal that. And, you know, if you look at like the car industry, it's yeah. always been the case. Yeah. Well, I had a chance to work with one of the world's biggest car parts manufacturers. They make things like rivets. They do $120 billion a year and very few people have heard of them. Yeah. But they have all of their own projects going on to equal a thing that becomes part of a product. Right. So it's bringing all of that together to to product. And then the perpetuation of it. Is there an end to a portfolio or a product? Right. Not if you did it right. Not if there was some sort of life cycle to that thing. (laughs) You're really trying to finish something to then create a life cycle of that thing. Right. That thing needs a management. And so when we're looking at the, the agility of portfolio management, we're really looking at 
the agility of not just that, but the product that, that portfolio becomes. And then the management of that right. for as long as that life cycle is. And that's what gets really exciting. So having the chance to work in the space of work management, there was always that missing element to me that there's still got to be something overseeing this. Right. And that's what we're talking about. So we've pivoted a lot in the industry to where if you just look six, seven years ago, it was work management. Well, you just, you got to manage the work. And when you manage the work, that all comes together to this thing. And now it's, no, that's not true. The top down needs to meet the bottom up and they've got to do it so that the rivets align. And if there isn't that ability within an organization, one or the other will fail. Your top down won't equal the work that's going on and your work won't equal the top that you planned on doing. And so being able to be agile to ensure those things are coming together is really what we're talking about. And that's challenging. It's challenging because our space, especially the last 10 years, has really moved fast. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say, Tim, is that, frankly, all of these things that we're talking about here are not new. I was certainly doing big A agile iterative project work back in 90s when we were doing dot-com e-commerce stuff. Literally constant iterations, right? And we still had that main focus of that PMO that I put together was a portfolio of projects to see across the whole spectrum of the work we were doing to deliver for our clients, which were all being done in a very iterative fashion. Every PMO that I've ever run over 15 years inside organizations had big and little a agile all over it, right? And I don't think there's all of this confusion or the zealots of one methodology or approach over another saying it must be this and it must be that. And I think what we need to do is take a step back and do what makes sense. Common sense needs to become common practice. And the more we can make common sense, common practice, the things we're talking about here are really not that hard because business leaders have been asking for this, right? The business leaders know the goals that they're trying to achieve. And there's been this gap for a long time, like you're talking about, that we need to close here. They'll often come back and say, what got done today? And why are there all these excuses for why the thing that we know we need to deliver on for this company's very survival isn't getting done, right? So that lack of alignment, I think, has been a huge challenge. Common sense has been going on for a long time, but this alignment to bring together the right practices and approaches and flexibility at the project and work management level, aligning that with the portfolio and the big picture perspective, that's where you close the gap between a PMO and project people being administrators and being business leaders. The more we can close that gap, the more we're creating that alignment that needs to be there for our audience to be seen as business leaders in their organizations. And that's what businesses are really striving for. There's a single phrase that I use often that what's the thing that an executive wants more than anything, even though they may not know they want it. And it's understanding of capacity. Yes. What can I do? What can't I do? Yes. And if you can tell me that, it helps guide me in my decision-making. Oh, for sure. So when I look at this as the altruistic benefit, it's that. Once done, you get to a level of true capacity management. You get true capacity planning. It's all of the components of the business's ability to deliver anything Mm -hmm. comes into capacity. So it's money, it's people. It's all of those things that when playing together and seeing that within the agile portfolio and the ability 
to pivot against that capacity or with that capacity. Right. Your capacity is fixed. Yeah. And so as soon as you fix your capacity, you've got to be able to pull things in and out of that to be able to ultimately have benefit for the organization. Oh. And so agile portfolio management isn't, you're always changing what you're doing. It's reacting to the changes you know you have to do to be successful within the capacity of your organization. Yeah. So I think that's really what companies are looking for is to get away from chaos and to, like you said, just be wise, be pragmatic. But sometimes it's hard to be wise and pragmatic if you don't know the whole picture. Yeah. And so I think that this is an element of being able to get into where you can understand the whole picture. And the whole picture does include the requirements to pivot, to change, to modify, to update, to, to quit. Yeah. <laughs> we sometimes forget you, we've been heading down this path for a year with this thing. It no longer has a market. Stop. Yes. Why are you still doing it? And you should yes. be reviewing that consistently to make sure that the efforts of that organizational capacity are still applied to the right places and pressure. Right. And it wouldn't be an interview if the dogs didn't. Right? <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> so one last question here as we wrap, wrap up, Tim. So our PMO leaders listening, we've convinced them, right? They're nodding their heads. They say, I get it. I'm with you. Now what do I go do? Right? So what is your advice? What's the next step or the next couple of steps that you would tell them to take from wherever they are today to pivot more towards this agile portfolio management approach? Well, no matter what you're doing, my first thing would be understand what your portfolio is. You've got to be able to look at it all in one place and say, oh, this is what it is. This is everything that's going on within our organization, especially if you're a functional organization to where you're borrowing people and resources to be able to deliver. Do you understand what's going on inside of those functions? Do you understand what's going on inside of those areas of business? And you understand how much availability of those resources you have to doing those things. And the best is if you can have all of that inside of a singular view so that you know what's going on within that organization that doesn't affect those projects that you're overseeing, mm-hmm. you still understand what's going on. Work isn't perfectly flat. It doesn't just happen that they're going to have two hours a day. And by taking two hours a day, your work's going to get done. It's going to take seven hours one day, a half hour another day. And so being able to see that across your resource pools of whether it's money, whether it's individuals, people as resources, whatever those things are, I would say go and strive to understand that. Yes. Because once you understand that, you can start to understand what your portfolio truly is. So if there's one thing to leave here, leave with a striving to understand so that you can then be understood when you're talking about the abilities of your projects and your project management office. Oh, that is so good. And I got to tell you, almost every time I've gone into a client or even when I was in the role PMO leader inside organizations, the biggest pain point that business leaders would express is they would say it like this, I don't even know what work is happening in this organization, right? And you've heard it time and time again. I've heard it time and time again. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Really, when you start, it's a list in a spreadsheet. It's a list on a whiteboard. What's all the work happening in this organization? You start there, 
figure out what is the body of work, ask the questions, look for those secret projects, look for the places that are dragging and draining on resources that are or things that aren't even on anyone's radar, right? That understanding, I think, is the key, Tim, because then from there, you can build upon that and really, truly start providing the information the business leaders really need to know. So I think that's wonderful. There's secret projects. (laughs) (laughs) And I know some people are thinking, yeah, butt monsters coming up and they're saying, yeah, but some of those business leaders don't want anybody to know about those projects. So that is one of the challenges. So how do you report that? Yeah, exactly. So, and that's where the leadership stuff comes in, right? You know, so as part of the PMO Impact Summit, there's a ton of stuff we have on strategy and alignment and leadership and org change and all of that to help answer that question all of those questions, because sometimes it takes us stepping into a leadership role, influencing and helping people bring everyone, business leaders included, along that change curve, right? (laughs) You don't always have to provide detail to the work that's going on, just so long as you know there's work going on. Exactly. Start baby steps. Baby steps (laughs) are the secret, right? Be agile about it, right? This is all about iterating. Just start with at least names, you know, where where all the bodies are buried, where the name, you know, where all the secrets are. Start with a little bit at a time, right? Absolutely. Well, Tim, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective on agile portfolio management, all these great examples of how this is working, where it can be used, the benefits, and the way this really helps our PMO leaders, all of our impact drivers earn their seat at the table. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Keydin. Place the right bets, turn quickly, and deliver faster with this innovative approach to top-down portfolio and capacity planning. Looking at adopting a more agile method due to the ongoing crisis? Concepts like iterative development, continuous improvement, and prioritizing a dynamic backlog, when applied to portfolio management, can deliver a host of compelling benefits that Keydin brings to life. Learn more at PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash keyed in. That's PMOImpactSummit.com forward slash keyed in. All right, Impact Drivers, that's it for today's session. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope you have a high impact rest of your day. Bye-bye for now. 